0: Welcome to the one within all to another episode of Interverse Podcast, your podcast portal to positive perceptions of the Pleroma. And the Pleroma, for anyone who doesn't recognize that vocab word, it's the all or entirety of existence. So as a term, it's quite mathematical since we're adding up all things and their opposites to consider the totality of creation. Math and number are going to be huge topics of this conversation with the champion of Gematria and uh, <laughs> the real the real Gnostic revivalist himself, Marty Leeds. <sighs> Marty Leeds 33 is where you find his website. Been enjoying his work uh, since we met at Flattoberfest. I was already aware of him, but after I got to see his presentation, which to me was the highlight of that awesome event, I've been diving in, checking out his books, Pie and the English Alphabet. He's got a new one coming out soon that we're going to talk about as well. There's so much stuff on the agenda here. But my favorite thing about Marty is he's a slayer of boogeymen all over the place. (laughs) Whenever Marty comes on to talk about a subject, the dark and scary, spooky aspect of the conspiracy is converted to mystical gnosis of the beauty and integrity of the creation that we're a part of. I appreciate that massively. So let's get into it with the math magical magi of all things number and truth. Marty Leeds, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, buddy?
1: Good. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm glad the last thing you said was spot on because that's what I'm really trying to do. So thank you.
0: What was the last thing I said?
1: <laughs> there were talking words about basically taking the darkness and showing the sort of Gnostic revealing within things that, you know, basically the boogeyman kind of thing that everybody has this sort of, uh, you know, they put this sort of baggage on all of these ideas and notions and um, that sort of stuff and just try to remove them. That's what I like doing. So. Thank you, anyway.
0: Yeah, I feel like with even the term Gnostic, you have to de boogeyman that thing pretty big time. Because I, I refer to it as pop culture Gnosticism, which is that the world is like a prison planet and that this Demiurge monster Cthulhu thing is here to gobble up our souls and we got to escape from our bodies and like that none of this nature thing is actually the perfect creation that it is. So I feel like that's a a big one to get out of the way for people is help them not get trapped in that mindset because to me it's just like we see it as a perennial philosophy even in modern materialist science they just call it simulation theory but it's the same idea that this is like a fallen world and that nature is somehow fake.
1: Well, yeah, the, the term Gnostic has so w- way too much baggage. I mean, that's the first thing. Like you, you say Gnostic to somebody and all of a sudden they start dreaming up things like, oh, the world is evil and demiurge this and blah, blah, blah. And throughout my exploration, that was just never the case. You know, people like to assume Gnostic means like, oh, it was some group of people back in 2000 years ago or something. And it's like, no, it's just a way of it's basically just Gnosticism and Gnosis is basically just a way of deconstructing um religious texts spiritual ideas that sort of thing and doing it through mystical insights but doing it um in a way that actually has verifiability so you know basically it's like this it's pursuing the science behind spirituality is really what Gnosticism is and it's through these sort of direct insights that you have with the creative force within this creation you know god (laughs) um That you receive these things, you know, and so that's what Gnosticism is all about. To me, you can't even understand any of the religions at all with the deeper meanings of them, the esoteric wisdom behind them, the spiritual teaching, the actual, you know, real spiritual teachings behind them, unless you bring a Gnostic perspective to them. Because, I mean, I can I can say verifiably that. Or verily, verily, I guess I should say that over the years, I didn't understand the religions at all. I didn't understand shit about them until I started bringing the esoteric, you know, the metaphysical, mystical to it. Then it's like, oh, then they just start blooming. You know what I'm saying? So that's what it's all about. That's what I do anyway.
0: Yeah, you do a good job of it. I, I want to talk about how with just the number side of things, you can point out the perfection in the creation if you will, or how maybe a better way to put it is like that the creation is constantly evolving towards perfection in an infinite journey because you have that you have that golden mean ratio and then you have the Fibonacci and that number just gets closer and closer to approximating the golden mean, right? But never gets there. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I see like the creation as a never ending journey back to God. And the reason why it's never ending is because it's an infinite, it's like you're getting towards the infinite, so you can always get closer, but never quite be infinite because it continues forever.
1: Well, for me, numbers prove God, and that's really what it did for me. So when you look at what numbers are, they're they're metaphysical, which means they they they're you know in this sense they're literally metaphysical science because meta means beyond. And physical, of course, means physicality, physical materiality, right? Well, numbers do exist beyond the physical, meaning that the number seven, the number 22, the number 48, the number 126, and every number in creation do, isn't objective. It doesn't, it's not like you can drive down the road and visit the objective number seven somewhere. It doesn't exist in the material anywhere. And yet it's everywhere, Right. So, the, and this 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 goes for every single number, and so not only that, you have every single number that has um, its own set of qualities, peculiarity, peculiar, you know, uh, aspects to it, nuances, uh, associating geometry, all this other stuff. All of that is basically a, a medium of intelligence. It's a language of intelligence that is intelligent, and it exists everywhere at once, but it doesn't exist anywhere. You know, so it's it's math in this sense is literally your doorway into the verifiability of metaphysical concepts because they're founded in mathematics and mathematics is a universal language. And what I mean is and why all of this stuff is founded in mathematics is because, you know, when I, you know, I take a right triangle and I say three, four, the hypotenuse is going to be five. Because that's just the facts. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what language you speak, what religion you are, what your beliefs or opinions are. that's just true. So that's right there that shows that not only is there intelligence in this creation that there's an intelligent backing right that there's a design behind this creation, but that not only that it literally has the um, the qualities or definitions of
0: being metaphysical you know right on so, I think what's lost on people with the left brained materialist culture is that numbers have been made purely quantitative and they lost the quality that is that mystical quality. So you can mathematically come up with formulae like the hypotenuse of a right triangle, as you described. But would you agree that it's the relationship between the numbers in these formulae that we can derive from geometry and from looking at actual things and nature like the stars? Those relationships are what help us determine quality of numbers on a, a mystical level. It's just relearning math again, I would say, and actually
1: what it is, you know, for me, like what I'm doing in one sense is, is coming along and redefining what math is in a sense, because most people think, as you're saying, especially in like modern science or whatever, very left brain, very quantitative, very, you know, cold calculated kind of thing. And that's not as I just explained, no one had ever explained mathematics to me that like, no, this is actually a metaphysical language that everybody has access to. It's everywhere at once. The entire all the principles of nature are built off them. And you can actually prove that, you know. um, So for most people that they look at math, they never even question what it is. They're even mathematicians. They're not even questioning the medium that they're using. And for me, I did. I was like, well, what is this? You know, and there is no answer to that other than it's an intelligent medium that is you that is at the foundation of every single science. There's not one science that you can do, not one that doesn't utilize math. There's not one. So and that goes from everything from like, you know, if, I'm a, if I worked at a vet, the first thing we did was bring a dog in and we'd weigh it. So you'd tear out the scale, you'd get it to zero and you put a dog on there. So the first thing you did was math. Now, most, once again, most people don't think of it that way. They don't think about why is, why is it that there is even a medium of, or a language that can be used in all of these different capacities that alone should make you think, wait wait a second, what is, what is math? Why is it I can use it to figure out the degrees of a beaker, or I can use the same language to weigh a dog, or I can use that same language as the blueprints of architecture. Why should that even be? But most most mathematicians, most scientists today, they're not they don't even bring that even hair of philosophy to what they're doing,
0: you know, to even understand what they're doing in that sense. So, um, yeah, yeah, it makes me I think about how much of what passes for the science that we're supposed to trust is actually based in pretty complex, like algebraic and abstract forms of mathematics that. I don't know what you think about it. I don't want to dismiss all forms of like, quote unquote, higher math as being worthless or pointless. But it seems that you get to a certain level of these forms of mathematics that it's basically you're running like a simulation. (laughs) It's no longer in nature so much.
1: If you can't prove it, if someone is getting, I mean, this is the foundations of science. If someone presents you something and you can't verify it, especially with the medium of math because that's the one thing you absolutely can verify. You know, for counting four eggs, I can go and I hate that's right, he's got four eggs, right? That's the one thing. So, if there if you're being presented something and you can't verify it yourself, then it's not science. You know, so what you actually have with a lot of these quote-unquote higher mathematics, right, is just theories. You have theories based on theories you know, just fumbling around and stumbling around with mathematical, this astrophysical equation, this, that sort of thing. Never. And, 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 uh, Tesla actually talked about this quite a bit, you know, basically bitched about this. The fact that it's like all the modern science is running around throwing equations at shit. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't really have any sort of, uh, relationship to actual reality. So to me, this is one of the things I'm actually I'm going to do a live stream today I'm going to talk about is the fact that most people will be like, oh, math is nonsense because they'll look at, well, look at dark matter or dark energy or astrophysical equations. It's all bullshit. That, so therefore, that somehow refutes the theorems of math. And that's nonsense. The, in fact, math is the one thing that you can go to to find out if you're being lied to about math. And the flat and the flat earth is a perfect example. So people are like, look, we, you can make math fit anything. No, you can't. You can just lie about math and dumb people can believe it. That's all it is. So if somebody says, oh, there's curvature here and this aid and, you know, we've got the math that shows it or whatever. Well, no, actually we're using math to prove that you're wrong, right? We're, we're using math to prove that this is not only do we explain our experience, the geometry of our earth, geo meaning earth, metric meaning to measure, we explain it geometrically. I live on a flat plane, but not only that, we go to verify that with what? Math. So I think what one of the things that's happening right now, and even in the truther community, is mathematics is being blown off. And yet it's the foundation of logic, reason. It's the foundation of every single science. And it is the one medium you can use to, to actually show that you're being lied to. And so anyway. Um, so to your question about modern theoretical math, well, it's all just theory until it's actually a theorem until you can actually prove what's being said or what's being presented to you. And math is the medium which allows you to do that. So that's one of the things that when I came to before I really got into a lot of this stuff presented with some of the stuff in quantum physics or even astrophysics and things like that. And was like, oh, I can't make sense of this. Well, that's part of the deal. That's part of why they're presenting it to you. Because they're like, oh, look, this is just way too complicated. You'll never understand this and blah, 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 blah. And then most people will be like, oh, I'm just too stupid. And, and then they forget about it, right? That's kind of one of the tricks that they pull,
0: you know? But. Yeah, it all cool. just, oh, that's too much. <laughs> because yeah, it becomes, sorry, like, you ever seen, basic uh, math is a language we can all understand. But I say basic math, but math that is sensible. But when you get into these like high-level simulations of mathematics, of theory, yeah, it becomes totally beyond or meta to what it is we can actually interpret without the it. without the language. It's like all the other sciences that are compartmentalized from each other. They are separated through the terms of art that are maybe concepts that anyone could understand if they weren't being put into jargon, but that's kind of what happens is everything gets jargonized and then one part of science doesn't talk to another part of mathematics very well. And the big picture is lost for for most people involved in these pursuits. Mm-hmm.
1: Have you ever seen that shirt? And it's it was it was like it's some shirt that has like it's the equation of the world or whatever. And it's supposed to be the equation that links up astro or like. Newtonian physics with quantum physics or something. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's just basically this big, long equation. It doesn't mean anything. No one can make any sense of it, whatever. But it's being presented as if like, oh, this is, we've figured it out kind of shit. And literally, it's just a bunch of nonsense that they're presenting to a bunch of people. And then people are like, well, I guess I'm just not intelligent enough to know this. And we've got these super smart people. And really, they're just full of shit, you know, like literally, you know, so...
0: Yeah, that's how I look at those—just like giant, entire chalkboard, ten-foot wall covered in (laughs) algebra, and that's supposed to be some universal truth. But it all—all it is—is just a big circle jerk of uh, (laughs) jargon logic, in a way.
1: Now, the go ahead. Say something. The longest time pursuing this stuff, I was always kind of like, "Look, if, if there is a God, God would have to make ultimately like His science." even though obviously we can't understand the complexities of the universe, right? There's too beyond what we can truly comprehend as a human being. But if there was a science to understand for me, there was always the thought in my head. If there was a science that God had a science that you could understand the essentials, like who you are, where you come from, is there a God, is there an intelligence here, that sort of thing, that it would have to be simple, that ultimately it would have to be based in, you know, the sophistication would have to come from the simplicity, And that's exactly what numbers are when I actually boiled them down and distilled all the bullshit, you know, got rid of all the bullshit numbers in themselves are very simple. And in the, in the book, that's what I actually do is I actually go through and show how the basics to understand the basics on which all the complexity is derived simple. It's just literally zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And from the 10 that everything else comes from that, you know, so this in like basically, I just had this feeling or this um, idea that it was like, oh no, it has to be simple, and I think it is. You know, I think the reason that they they have to complexify this stuff to make you feel stupid and be like, oh, it's way too complicated for you guys, and that's what that look. That's exactly what's happened with math. There's no question. Ask nearly everybody, and they're like, oh, I can't
0: stand math. I don't. It's too blah blah blah. You know what I mean? So yeah, and a lot of the tools that would make it more simple whenever we get into bigger numbers for example like the uh theosophical edition or the the decimal parody things like that where you reduce larger numbers down to a single digit that makes so much sense once you like that's one of the great things about your book at least what i've i've read probably like two thirds of your first book. I'm a little behind, but I'm definitely enjoying it. I'm going to pick up the the new one for sure. Got to mention, by the way, while I'm talking about the book, generously, Marty has provided a digital copy of his books on his website for the $5 a month subscription to his website. It's really a good deal. And then all kinds of other stuff is on there too. And it's a wealth. It's like, it's just a ridiculous wealth of of teaching and information for almost nothing. So I recommend people check that out and support Marty's awesome stuff. But okay. So I wanted to talk about the, um, to go back to the flat earth thing, because I noticed that in the first book, I don't know, maybe you hadn't uh, converted yet, or I don't even consider myself a quote unquote convert. I just, I'm kind of like earth shape agnostic. I can't see the whole thing, but I know there's no fucking curvature. Mm-hmm. That much is mathematically obvious, but you bring up a lot of the. these come from like Freemasonic traditions and probably older mystery school philosophies. But the mathematics of the moon radius and the earth radius and the distance, what NASA tells us the distance from the sun to the earth is. And all these things have very interesting mathematical relationships that seem like poetic or... Uh, I don't know like they make sense the the ratios there and without getting in bogged down into the details what do you think or what do you make of the geometry of earth as a sphere as it's presented in these mystical mathematics uh versus you know what we can now with the clear eyes see is the case about the flat plane rather than a sphere if that makes sense
1: I did a video called Um, the, I forget what it's called, Ah, something like the manipulation of our geocentric system, squaring the circle and the manipulation of our geocentric system, and basically show how squaring the circle is a process that in which, and it's this ancient mystical mathematical process, right? And you'll actually find this at the foundation of most occult things like you can go everywhere from new fuchi and the chinese to the buddhist stupa to the alchemical rebus to the freemasonic square and compasses you know blah 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 you can go all over and find this basic mathematical art and it's called squaring the circle and in that is basically this idea of making the circle and a circle and square equal areas or the circumference and perimeter equal so this mathematical art is like at the foundation of occultism Right, It's in the name of Christ and it's encoded perfectly several different ways. So what you'll actually find is that when they go to when they actually went to give you the faulty numbers of the moon and the sun and that sort of stuff, like the sun is 93 million miles away or the or the moon is 2160 miles or. The proportion of the moon to the earth is, is, you know, the, the sun or the, excuse me, the earth is 7,920 miles, right. According to spherical g- geometry, right. According to what they tell us, which is all bullshit, but they're using the, the concept of squaring the circle to proportion this out. In other words, they're, they're lying to you and they're using one of the most fundamental occult mathematical theorems to do so. Okay. So when I first got into this, when I when I understood this, right? And so I was like, oh, wow, look at this. The, look, NASA is telling me that the moon is 2,160 miles. This is right in proportion with squaring the circle, right? Now, the, the good thing about once I, I was saying this about math is that, well, that's bullshit. and we can, we can prove it's bullshit because there's no way to measure the moon unless you actually go to the moon and physically land on it, and physically actually take a tape measure to it. You can't measure that. They can't measure the sun. They tell, it, they tell us they you can, right? Or they tell us that they have and they can. They can't. They don't know how far away that is, nor do they know how big it is. That's, so that's all nonsense, right? So when they're lying to you, they're actually using extremely sacred terms, conditions, notions, theorems to do so. So my journey into all this was actually to go through this and, and actually double check myself. Like how many times did I... Was I trusting what I was being told without double checking it? And so um, squaring the circle and heliocentrism, the whole bit is part of it. So in my first couple books and actually talk about in this one, the latest first four books, basically, I was taking a journey through this stuff and trying to understand what the septenary cipher was, where it could be applied, blah, 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 blah. And so it was really just sort of uh, exploratory. But now it's a completely different thing for me because now it's like 10 years later. And now I'm like taking a very critical eye, like extremely hyper analytical eye and extremely scientific eye as to everything that I'm doing. So and I'm saying, look, and then this book, the one I'm releasing now, there's not a single page in here in which what I'm presenting to you, you cannot verify yourself. So there's nothing in here where I'm like saying, oh, well, this is just my opinion or this could just be, you know, blah, blah, blah. Here's an interesting connection. Nothing like that. It's like if I say something, it's like now you can actually verify 100 percent what it is I'm saying. So um, the people that have tricked us into heliocentrism, they know exactly what the fuck they're doing. They are master occultists. And they even tell, of course, we are. We already know that, too. It's not like we don't know that Jack Parsons didn't start JPL or that. You know what I mean? We already know the history of this stuff. So what I'm saying is now we can go into the nitty gritty and actually find out exactly what they're doing, exactly how they're manipulating, exactly what they're doing it for and exactly why they're doing it. And that's to that's to literally pervert the sacred.
0: Yeah, and it, it's like. With a mouse mousetrap, you put some cheese on there, <laughs> you put some kind of alchemical truth or wisdom in it, but then it's like a poison sandwich. There's just enough of the the faulty worldview in there that the truth is kind of nullified by that. And now you've accepted something that's backwards and going to, you know, there's are so many reasons why the spinning bullet through the void that they tell us we're on makes no sense and also disconnects us from the creator and our higher purpose for existing in all the, in all the mystical traditions, we're meant to be seen as the bridge or like the connector point between heaven and earth, right? We're right in the middle of everything. That's what makes this place special. That's what makes mankind special. And the very interesting, uh, I tend to agree though. That's usually what happens with, with the big lies as they, They use the symbolism and the trappings of something that's mystically or metaphysically true. And then they pull the rug out from under you with (laughs) the interpretation.
1: Not only that, you got to remember, it's like, I think T.S. Eliot said this, something like, you know, the devil or Satan or whatever can't, um, it's just a thief, can't create, can only mimic and mock and that sort of thing. So I keep, and I've said this for the longest time. And this is when you started this podcast and you had said that it's like, oh, when... What I do is I like, take the darkness and try to find the Gnostic revealing in there. And that's really what you have is that Satanists, devil worshippers, people that work on behalf of the darkness and not the light. The, the thing that they do the best is wrap themselves up in sacred symbols. They use sacred sciences, all of that sort of stuff. They wrap themselves up in it. And that way, when a, a seeker comes along. And sees that stuff like the all-seeing eye of God is a perfect example. They'll be like, "All-seeing eye of God in a sonic symbol—that's evil. I'll stay away from that." And all evil did was just wrap themselves up in sacred symbology so that you will always stay away from it. And it's—it's it's, to me, it's evil one o fucking one. Pardon my language. It's evil one o one. It's like, duh. Of course, that's what evil's going to do. It's going to go find the most sacred, pure, divine thing, and distort it, and pervert it, and wrap itself up in it so that you never go to it. And that's exactly what they do. They take evil people, they don't create anything. All they do is take what the, what is and twist it and pervert it and invert it and lie about it and deceive and propagandize and that sort of thing. And so what I'm trying to do is like say, okay, get past those layers of bullshit that they put on everything. Take that garbage off and see the thing for the genuine article. You know, see, and so, and tr- getting truth seekers to do this is, it's like sweating
2: bullets.
1: It's like pulling teeth. It's like pulling freaking teeth. Because most people, they just freak out. It's like, well, this guy's talking about Masonry. This guy's talking about and I've got this guy's square encompasses. This is, you know, Kabbalah, this occultism, that, Gnostic, that. And you see the response. You see the response of people. It's because they've been filled with literal freaking noise about all of this shit their entire life. And so it, they have to, it's it's a really hard thing for people to break, you know? Like when, when a perfect example is 666 is encoded all over the name of Jesus Christ. Now, if I said that to most truth seekers, be like, what is this guy talking about? He's obviously, you know, just freaking out <laughs> and not understanding the, deep, the deeper context of what's being said here, how it's actually, you know, displayed in the Bible and why it would be there and what it means. They've already had it supercharged in their head that's bad. Stay away from it. You know? And um, so it's, it's such an interesting phenomenon because the devil or the people that work on behalf of darkness in this sort of sense, right? They're very good at this. They're very, very good at that. And it works. It's working, you know, in that sense. So I'm doing my best
0: to try to dispel that, you know? I, re- I think the real weapon, obviously like the dark as you'd put it is a scavenger and it's not even darkness. This is part of the way that the inverters have corrupted our worldview is to even give us the idea that dark equals evil or that negative equals bad. (laughs) When negative is, you could look at it as realistic or you could look at it as just the one pole of a battery required for a charge. And yeah, they, they, the, the real stuff that hurts us is the poisoning of our worldview And that's where the mystery school traditions in the form of certain offshoots of secret societies has really gone wrong in that they've embraced this Gnostic idea of uh, the grand architect of the universe also being a demiurge or a fallen being. When the creator of this place, obviously, there's nothing evil to escape from in nature. Nature just is what it is. I uh, think of all kinds of ways that lately we've seen alchemical encoding for the attempt to transmute the world mind to one even further stuck in fear, like the whole cooties thing. There's so many 19s wrapped up in everything they're doing with cooties, and that's like a number. At least to me, you probably have thoughts on it too. That's like an alchemical marriage of uh, of sorts. That number, the one and the nine combining for the ten. It's the masculine, the one, and the feminine, nine, the nine, coming together. But they constantly want to like make us unconsciously afraid of this idea of coming together, of unifying the opposites, of actual healthy relationship between the genders or the sexes. Everything's about tearing that further apart and keeping us from working together, keeping us in the war of the sexes, keeping us divided on as many lines as possible, really. And it helps to just get to the truth about what numbers mean and what this place is actually for and what it's like. And that worldview healing is probably the primary form of healing that we can take. And that is what gets rid of all the boogeyman and the fear.
1: They, they have to demonize this stuff because it provides answers,
0: you know, like they, they,
1: they have to demonize all of these things and invert those things because that this is, this is what I mean with the, like the Gnostic approach. There's, you know, if you go to a church and, and you ask them about what revelation means, you're going to get either the church is going to be like, we don't know, or, or they'll, or they'll give you a thousand different explanations for you know, a thousand different things in Revelation, right? They, they don't agree on anything, right? And the Gnostic approach actually comes along and provides answers for those things, right? And so, as soon as and well, the thing about it's just like it's just like true health. There's no money to be made in tr- in true health, right? Like if if you're healthy, you don't need to go to a doctor and get shot up with a bunch of drugs. And big farmers got to make their shit, and then the you know that sort of thing. If you're healthy, chances are you're not spending a lot of money. You're just eating well. You're exercising that sort of stuff. So there's not a lot of money to be made in health, right? And and, and uh, there's a lot of money to be made in sickness, right? Same thing goes for the gnostic approach. The, you don't need to go to any sort of guru or save your or pay your money to anybody. If you understand that the temple is this, that the church is this, and that the answers are here, you don't have to go to somebody else because it comes right through, you know, the Christ is within you in that sort of sense. So that knowledge system is unbelievably empowering because not only does it help you understand who you are, where you are, where you came from, what your purpose is here, that the earth has a purpose. There is a God that he has a purpose. And then he's put you here for that purpose. You know, not only it, it gives you it gives you all that, but it doesn't tie. There's no more tethering. You don't have to. You're not tied to this ideology or this belief system or that sort of thing. You can't be controlled. You know, that is dangerous to the powers that be that and that includes the churches, the organized faiths. The organized churches that includes political systems, that includes everything that includes all the bullshit about legalese and, you know, um, you know, law systems and stuff like that. You say, wait a second. If I am coming, if I am born from God, then he is my author. Then I follow natural law. I'm already in, you know, this immediately takes you out of this jurisdiction of being in within God. They don't want you to know that the churches don't want you to know that the political systems don't want you to know. You know what I mean? So they they're gonna have to do they have to do everything in their power to make sure that what we can what we're talking about is gnostic is always demonized,
0: you know, because it's yeah. empowering. Yeah, I like to tell people try to get it into their heads about their rights that when we say God given rights. I don't mean that we wrote it on a paper and it's God given as in the definition of God that means like a judge or a magistrate or a prince or a ruler. Cause that's one of the definitions of lowercase g God. We mean the rights are inherent to your existence that yeah. there is no granting of the rights. There's, it just is what it is. And all you can do is pretend you don't have them. And if you pretend to, if you prepay <laughs> into their system, you pre-order their whole belief package of you got to follow their rules in order to be safe or not be put in a cage or whatever, then yeah, they'll, they'll play that game with you too. And they'll play pretend as well. But you go at it from being completely rooted and grounded in the, the knowing that your rights are what they are. And it becomes like the, uh, what you would call the armor of faith, Right. It actually changes the way that the world interacts with you when you have that armor of faith or, or gnosis on, and it's a, it's a subjective thing, but it's a real thing. And I wanted to point out that, like, I'm really impressed and grateful to see how you've actually helped people through Cootie's world with things like written legal documents, religious exemptions, things that help people do stuff like travel or get out of the, uh, the fake mandates that aren't even really laws of course anyway you want to talk about that or maybe the the redeclaration of we the people that whole stuff because I find it mega inspiring and more people could be following Marty's lead (laughs) to make a pun well I I think people I think people are waking up to it right now there's you know
1: what's going on right now is a great awakening you know I mean there's a great calling there's a great move towards trying to form a new world order, but there's a great awakening right now happening. You know, part of that awakening is, you know, it's happened or it's happening on mass too with a lot of people is recognizing those natural laws, right? So for the longest time, the government's basically operated and people for the most part are like, oh, well, I just got to do what the government tells me to do. But now because of all this has happened, it's like we are reverting back to this knowledge that is at the foundation of our found, you know, the founding documents of our country. And that is natural law. That means, as you were saying, we have these things that have been given to us by God. Not only, you know, that doesn't even need to be written down, but not only does it not need to be written down, we, you know, our founding fathers, as it it were, went ahead and wrote it down anyway, you know. And so people are coming. I think people are coming back to that right now. Um, And all of this is. Once again, whenever like you have a, the evil making a move because of the eternal balance of this creation, light's going to eventually going to have to balance that out. So right now you got all these mandates, all these things that are all all going against the laws and blah, 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 blah. People are waking up to the fact that, saying, wait a second, our government's not supposed to be doing this. So that's what we're going through right now. My position in the whole thing is basically just to try to provide some like I said, documentation, if you will, to help people understand that, you know, so my the unanimous redeclaration of of we the people was basically just an update of the Declaration of Independence. And I coupled it with not only old, you know, the original declaration and the and the Constitution, but I also coupled it with an affidavit of status in which basically an affidavit is basically this document of truth in which you basically just say exactly what I just said. I'm not Owned by you I have Natural rights that are given to me by God I am I'm authored by My God so therefore he is my authority You ha- you know blah 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 and just state That whole thing out and th- that's all legal Documentation as most people Know that's in fact like when My brother like he works for the state When he has to go to court he has to Write affidavits just as we Are coming into this you know Recoming coming back to this knowledge of like No we're we're, we're children of God First We're not owned by the fucking United States government first. We're children of God first. And I'm going to write this down and show you this. Now, if you disagree and you want to say, oh, you don't have those rights. Now, now we've got, uh, well, that's a whole new situation. You know what I'm saying? Now it's like, oh, now people are going to start to wake up. It's like, wait a second. You're telling me I don't even have God-given rights now? So, I mean, we're in a war right now. It's It's a war of ideas. It's a war, that sort of thing. And so I'm playing my part in that and trying to arm people, you know?
0: Yeah. And well done. I I've heard great results of people actually succeeding in all kinds of things <laughs> that we're Every- told you can't do without their without their cow pokes and without their without wearing their face diapers and all that stupid shit. Well,
1: I everyone that I've written an exemption for its work, at least that they've told me except one person. And that was from the Alberta health system or whatever. But they they wrote a letter back telling her full on that they're just not going to accept. Even if they accepted her religious exemption, she still wouldn't be able to work there.
0: So, so that's kind of a separate thing.
1: Yeah. Well, so that just goes to show you that's like, you know, when, when that happens, to me, it was almost like a good thing. Because now, now you get to see that that corporation is coming out straight up and telling you, we don't give a shit about your God. You can go, you're God. You can go fuck yourself. Okay, good. Now that we know, now we know. Now we know you're a godless, soulless, satanic organization.
0: You know, it's good. We didn't know that before. Now we do. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And even as evil as the government is, it's still not gone all the way to godless. They still put your hand on the Bible in court, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, so once again, like. Jennifer and I have been saying this for a while too. like this. All this needs to fall. We can't we've I've known this for a very long time, deep in my heart, deep in my soul, that this the things weren't going well in this life. When I was a young man, didn't know shit from Shinola. I knew that I was like, something is a mess. Something is awry. We are not living the way we should be. We're not connected with God or source or the divine or whatever it is. Right. Things are fucked up. And so now we're in a position where it's like, oh, now that all gets to come to a head. Now it all gets to bubble to the surface. Now we got to deal with it. Good, good. You know, that's a good thing. It sucks because we're going to see a lot of death and heartache and pain and strife and suffering and all this other shit. Absolutely. But we couldn't keep going like that anymore. We couldn't keep, you know, like we can't just keep working for corporations that are antichrist. We can't let those things run our world. And so God's giving us the opportunity right now. I think it's awesome.
0: Yeah. The the way out is through. You just yeah. ignore things and leave them pushed off to the side and they will continue to get worse and fester and putrefy and decay. And that's kind of where our system has been for quite a long time it, at the minimum since like since like the world wars era, if not maybe even further back. But uh, we've brought up the well you go ahead and I, I'll hold my thought.
1: No, I was just gonna say we're we, we've made the turn like I've see I see it. I don't know I don't know how to, how to say it, but we're made we've made the turn. It's starting to come back now. They can't put a lid back on this shit. Their wizardry had been going for so long, right? And once once you break a wizard's spell, then the wizard has to freaking redo everything and cast a new spell and make you, you know, believe in that sort of shit, right? But once you break the spell, it's you, there's no going back. Ask a flat earther. Once the spell is broken about flat earth, do you go back to your spinning ball? No. There's not one person I know that's full on flat earther that's been like, oh, I'm going back to the ball because the spell has been broken. So the powers that be have to redo the spell now, meaning, right? And that goes for how many things in our society, our bullshit history, the cosmology where we are, the role of our governments, you know, the idea that for how long we've been like, oh, we're just sort of letting governments go. Now the government's come out and been like, ah, bitch, I'm, you know, I'm literally the fucking satanic dragon that's going to come eat you now, right? They're not going to be able to put that back in its cage. It's out. The Pandora's box is open. They're not going to be able to put it back in. And that's what we're living through right now.
0: It's a beautiful thing. I agree. Like, there's a a conversion to truth is a one way trip if it's a real conversion. Yeah. Because the truth needs no maintenance or upkeep. It just is self evident, its existence, and it exists on its own without, with or without your observation of it. But the spell or the lies, they need constant attention and maintenance. And, they die under the weight of their own details to use a popular phrase. And that's what's happening because the more layered on the lie cake has to be, <laughs> the more they have to bolt onto this lie to keep it going, the heavier and clunkier it gets and the more chinks in the armor there are from all the uh, attachments to this narrative that have to be spun. Like we're seeing it right now in the the mainstream, lamestream media, how they're starting to actually have to figure out a way to spin information that's been part of the the uh, our, our explanation of things, you know, like they're starting to have to admit to certain facts like, oh, yeah, um, people are having a lot more heart attacks all of a sudden. Uh, it's, it's because of video games and pot. That's why. You know, humans <laughs> just are really frail. They have heart attacks super easy. Guys, don't you know this is normal? It was- and it's so obvious on the face of it, even to a dumb person. He was smoking climate change And that's why
1: He had a myocarditis (laughs) Yeah It's just like in those video Like a video game or whatever It's like you're, you're like a wizard You have to cast spells And every time you cast a spell It takes some of your energy Right? Like I don't play video games But I know that there's video games That have that sort of shit in it Point is this That's what they have to do It takes so much energy For them to keep the bullshit train running And we're done with the bullshit train You know, there's so many people that it's just it's just like the vaccine hesitancy thing. No one. I mean, at this point, if you believe in vaccine hesitancy, you're already a lost soul. But there's no way you're once again, you're going to put the lid back on this thing as far as like you're going to get those people to convince them to go in and get a shot. Now, there's no way it's happening. So that's where, you know, that's where we're at anyway. Yeah. The Wizards, they have a lot of work ahead if they want to keep this up.
0: It's true. Yeah. Yeah. The only way it works for them is by getting minions to do the work for them and repeat the lies and they're getting. And like, what I say all the time is death cults. They die out. It's just what they are. (laughs) Like if you're a death cult, eventually you'll all die out. Everyone drinks the Kool-Aid goodbye. And the minions that are necessary to keep perpetuating the, uh, the false reality are dwindling. They're sacrificing their own minions too. So it's like, eventually and what you said is totally right it's just part of this natural pendulum swing yeah things seem kind of like it's a it's a darkest before the dawn situation but all of the crap we're going through is just us punching right through the center of that that dragon's heart if you will going to the throne to the north yes yeah
1: i don't know i was gonna i was gonna say something else but that's okay anyway
0: <laughs> if, if it comes back then that's cool but i wanted to also talk about like the bible right and the the christ story or the the mythos of the crucifixion i didn't i don't know if you've talked about this before you have so much content it's impossible to know but there's i like to think that because scriptures are truth on a higher level that regardless of like a historical accuracy to a narrative, that there's multiple ways to interpret a, a true mythology that are accurate to and applicable to multiple situations. And so one of the ways that I like to look at the story of the crucifixion is as crucifixion, the meaning of the word uh, detaching something from yourself, like cutting something off from yourself and the, Old cultures, many old cultures, there would be a poll of sorts, like a place where you go and post notices about things to notify everybody, notify the officials or the officials would notify the public with the post. It's where we get the word post in terms of mail. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one metaphor for Christ sacrificing himself or crucifying himself on a cross is to look at it like his legal personhood, his citizenship, his, you know, Roman ID is what was dying, like literally killing the fake self, crucifying it by putting this two-dimensional entity that exists only on paper, stapling the the notice of death onto a pole. I'm not saying that that's what we're reading in the Bible, but allegorically or metaphorically, I think that that Uh, interpretation is there so anyway wanted to know what your thoughts are about that like with legal personhood is that a goal to get ourselves completely removed from their book of death to exist only in the book of life of nature and uh you know non-owned existence or does it seem all right to just sort of have one foot in both worlds and and lean on the nature world or the God side? Well, I mean, uh, there's, uh, there's a bunch
1: of things to say there. Number one, the, like the stories of the Bible are, are transcendental stories. So the whole point of them, and this is classic, like hermeneutic approach that they're layered stories, right? Like basically if you go and look at the classic methods in which you would do a biblical analysis, right. Or exegesis, if you will they were, they were layered there clearly. So it was like, Oh, there was moral, literal, moral, allegorical, anagogical, anagogical, you know, four levels, anagogical meaning mystic occult, literally. So that's like classic way in which you would deconstruct the Bible. So for me, the stories of the Bible are transcendental stories, which means they have whatever they're telling, whatever information they're providing you is information that is, um, Is relevant across all time. Doesn't matter what, when you hear this story, it will be relevant to when you're living. In other words, right? Doesn't matter if it was 2000 years ago or 2000 years in the future. The crucifixion story will still be relevant to your experience here on earth. And the reason it's relevant, the reason it's transcendental is because it's this notion that there's this story. And in this one story is like, you, the, here's the hub of the wheel. And every spoke is, one, is another aspect of this story or whatever. Right I know it's going all crazy. So here's a biological aspect of this. You know, here's, the, here's the hub of the wheel. Here's the crucifixion story. Here's a biological aspect of it. Here's a physiological aspect of it. Here's an astrotheological part of that story here's um just sacred geometrical part of that story here's a you know etc here's a philosophical here's the blah 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 so every single story has that those many facets so when you bring up something like the what what is the fundamental notion behind the fake name and and the the bullshit birth certificate and what's the fundamental notion behind um um social security card and stuff like that right what is that enslavement clearly right is a government trying to trying to convince you that what you're that you're something other than you are, which is a child of God. It's trying to convince you that you're you're owned by something or that you're up you're nine numbers on a fucking card or whatever it is, trying to convince you that you're this letter, this name with all that sort of stuff. That has been going on throughout time, clearly where human beings have been subjugated or are considered subjects as a port, as a, you know, subjects of a king as opposed to objects of God, if you will. Right. So that's been going on forever. So I think what you're saying is very poignant because what's what's I mean, think about this. The Jews convinced the Romans to go and arrest Jesus because they lied and said that he said he was the king of the Jews. And They're like, no, Caesar's the king, blah 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 blah. So let's go arrest him and 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 kill him. So what's the what's that story? You know, like oh, so basically a group of people lied to a government to get the government to use force to kill somebody. How many times has that happened throughout history? You know what I mean? Where that sort of thing. All of those stories are transcendental, and so uh, I think that's what makes them so powerful. You know, when people want to stick the story in time and say this happened 2000 years ago the thing that you actually take away from take out of it is the sacred aspects of it the transcendental nature of those stories and that's exactly what you see happening with most modern christians they stick jesus 2000 years ago as opposed to the living word and they don't they can't make any sense of the deeper meanings of these stories none they don't, under, you know, they don't understand the sacred geometrical. They don't understand the physiological. They don't understand the astro-theological. They don't understand the symbolic. None of it. And so that's what happens is we lose the, the potency of these stories when um, we literalize them in that sort of sense,
0: you know? Yeah, I love what you're saying there about the transcendental nature. It reminds me of like there's the one truth and then there's that centripetal force that, uh, pushes it out to the edge of the wheel, right? That's that spin. And so we're like this Zodiac of humanity that have all these different perspectives on the center of this wheel or the, the wheel of, of truth or the creator. There's a bunch of different ways to receive the truth or see the truth that are still leading us Orienting us to orientating us to towards what it is, but when you go straight literal and it becomes a line instead of a, a wheel, yeah, you get all kinds of shenanigans like the idea that the uh, the Vatican and the Pope, as a corporation soul, has inherited the CEO status from this historical Jesus figure that they maintain from two thousand years ago. That actually putting him on the timeline is part of the lie in a sense because it it uh, it limits something that's infinite and transcendental, which is this idea or Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about making a, a man into an external savior. It's about awakening to salvation within, to saving the light that's actually from the divine, the spark that's within you in a sense. So, yeah, while we're in the free hour, let's talk – About your book, the new book, Lord Jesus Christ, because uh, I want to, I want to understand maybe where you're coming from more with uh, when you use that name or that word. I take it, at least from my interpretation, that we're describing something that is an inherent or an intrinsic truth or a force, uh, an, an idea that we can embody and connect with and not needing it to be a single interpretation or a literal interpretation. So, but that word or the name, Lord Jesus Christ has so much baggage with it. So let's talk about that and uh, maybe why specifically, you know, the title Lord and the title Christ are, are put on the front and back of the name Jesus.
1: Well, yeah, the first thing like to, um, sort of, uh, what do I want to say a segue into what you were saying previously about the fact that it's like, we stick Jesus in time that immediately thwarts the whole meaning of Jesus, because Jesus is literally the eternal, right? He's like, even in the, you know, the Bible, he's the path towards eternal life. So we have this figure that actually represents eternality. And so this notion of, a primordial man, a primordial figure, he's known as the last Adam in the Bible, is this notion that every essentially every single culture has a primordial man, a primordial figure, a hero figure, whatever that is. Right. In, in the Norse, that's Odin, whatever in the, you know, the Mohammedans or whatever Islam, that's Muhammad. That's, you know, Jesus, that sort of thing. So those are those. Represent ultimately primordial figures, primordial men or transcendental beings, which means it's the it's a human being that actually encapsulates all of the transcendentals like we're talking about. And that means literally all the things that man can never corrupt or pervert or distort or that sort of thing. That's what metaphysical truths man can. In other words, man can't come along and say, oh, I'm going to change the nature of seven today. It's not going to be a prime anymore. It's not going to have the divisors of one and seven. Seven is now going to be an even number and it's going to have 20 divisors that that never is going to happen because man doesn't have that ability to do that. Why? Because numbers themselves are transcendental. They live in that state in which it's incorruptible. Man can't do shit to corrupt those things. The primordial figure, primordial man, the Adam Cadmon, the last Adam, Jesus Christ, represents the conglomeration or essentially the perfected man that represents all of those, which essentially is the knowledge system of God. So that's what that's what Christ is. And even in the Holy Trinity, he's considered the eternal. Right. So is the father, the son and the Holy Ghost. Right. The son is the second person, of the Trinity. And that is the eternal moment. The creator father is the future. Holy ghost destroyer is the past. And you have Jesus Christ as the second person of the Trinity representing the eternal now that the present. And so this is what Jesus Christ represents. Now, to relate that to other sun god characters, right, whether that's Adonis or Tammuz or Horus or, you know, Ra Horus, that sort of thing. A lot of Christians will have a problem with that. But it's no different than is if somebody came along and said, or if I said, this is the number seven and number seven is spelled S-E-V-E-N. And somebody comes along and is like, no, it's not. Actually, seven is the I'm German. So this seven is S-E-I-B-E-N. Right. So S-I-E-B-E-N. OK, well, we're both talking about the number seven, correct? Right. Yeah. So one person thinks they have they have this sort of language and Uh, you know um, mythos or whatever you want to say that's put over something and they identify the thing that's beyond it with the layer that they put over it. Do you know what I'm saying? So in other words, Jesus Christ represents something that's transcendental man can never distort it, pervert it, that sort of thing. So somebody comes along and puts the, puts the garment of Lord Jesus Christ over it. And so they, they relate to the garment and not the transcendental actual meaning and of, of the thing in and of itself. They relate to the garment of it. And I'm saying, no, Jesus Christ is not the garment. Jesus Christ is the transcendental ness, if you will, behind all of that. So, what I'm trying to do is get people to look past, don't, when you, so in other words, I'm making an analogy. Somebody comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, they're like, it's just seven. They're like, oh, seven. But I'm like saying, well, no. This is Siete and Sieben and seven. Well, guess what? It doesn't matter what language you use. It doesn't matter what culture it comes from. It doesn't matter what, you know, geographically where you were born or what place in time it was, it, you know, you were you were born in or whatever. Seven's always going to be seven. It doesn't matter what language you put on. It. it doesn't matter what mythological structure you put over it. And so that's what that's what Christ represents is that that which is beyond. It's Jesus Christ is the name. Of the thing that, which can never, which could never truly be named in that sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like the Tao. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely is the Tao too, right? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Anybody that's, you know, worth two pennies that's done, you know, you know, even half an hour worth of mystical study will tell you that the Tao is the way, always been known as the way, which is the ever flowing, ever flowing way of nature, right? There's just an is of nature. There's nothing man can do about it. You're not going to go and change the principles of nature, the qualities of nature, the axioms of nature. They just are. And that's the way. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, that's exactly what he's saying. He's like, I am that flow. You know, now what would Christians do? Sorry, you're all frozen right now. So I don't know. I'm just talking to myself right now. But, um, what do Christians do? They say the garment is the way. Lord Jesus Christ is the way. No, no. Christ is saying, I am that which is eternal, flowing, can never be perverted. And that's actually what's behind all of these stories. And so when you literalize it, when you dogmatize it, when you make it, you historize it, is that a word? You put it into history. It, it takes all that sacredness away. It takes the transcendental away from it.
0: Man, there's a. <laughs> I could definitely keep going with you, but we got to wrap it up. I, I'll hold the other thoughts for now. Let people know again where your stuff is. I'll splice this into the first hour outro too, so that everyone can hear your your plugs when the new book is coming. And I'd love to continue with you down the line sometime, because there's always more in terms of divine truth that we can just keep uncovering. And this is the most exciting, fun stuff to me, seeing how all the dots connect and that the big picture is that what we are and where we are is a is a divine perfect creation that we're here to grow our souls in and grow closer to our source and the truth yes let me me say one quick thing there that's
1: that's i i mean i i think i said this at um the flat fest but to me it's like the biggest conspiracy like the biggest conspiracy isn't Lying about history, or lying about our cosmology, or whatever, or co, or the cooties nineteen, whatever. It's that's the the biggest conspiracy is actually convincing people that they're are basically uh, what do I want to say? Getting people to forget what Earth is, getting people to forget what Earth is. That Earth is actually a place where souls come to undergo their rites of passage to get back home to God. If you can, if that's what earth is, that's what every single soul journey is here to do. If you can, for, if you can get people to forget that and pay attention to something else, then you got them, right? Because then you can do whatever you want. You can fill their heads full of all sorts of bullshit and nonsense and they'll eat it up. But if, and what's happening right now is like I said, it's like, it almost like a Gnostic revival or something like that. I said, people are remembering that. And once that's, once again, once that's open, once you let that out of the box, it's, you're not going to get it back in. So it's a good thing. Anyway, I'll stop ranting. MartyLeads33.com. Um, it's probably going to be changing over to the Gnostic, uh, Academy.org pretty soon. Um, we're basically switching everything over to do, you know, essentially sermons. We're going to do church every Sunday. Um, and then, yeah, we're just moving forward with this is a textbook. Essentially, it's about 600 pages. Lord Jesus Christ, every single page, every single chapter is about Christ, unveiling the mysteries through Christ, the whole bit. So,
0: when's it coming? When are we going to get this book? As soon as
1: <laughs> last week, you're supposed to be able to get it.
0: Oh, yeah. I thought so. <laughs> so um,
1: I'm, I'm literally going to, as soon as I'm done with this, we're, we're going to do a few things, then I'm going to upload it. And then, um, so it should be available next week. Hopefully next uh, next weekend I'll do a launch party. Um, be hardcover and then paperback, and
0: yeah, awesome. So that's badass. By the time people hear this, it might be almost out or out. Um, it
1: yeah, it should be, and I'm super excited for it. It's uh, it's it's awesome. I'm really happy with it. So well,
0: considering i only read your first book, and it's that alone is so well put together, and the the diagrams are amazing, and it's very readable, even though it's so heady imagine that by the time I get to Lord Jesus Christ, the writing will just be that much more great. So I appreciate all the work you're doing, like big inspiration. Love how you are bringing the worldview healing through the Gnosis. That's what I'm about too, And I've got a lot to learn from the research that you've done over the course of your journey. So I'll be, I'll be there keeping an eye on things and, and cheering you on my friend. Thank you for being here. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, let's do it again. All right, we will take care. Thanks, brother. (laughs) Ha ha diggity damn, people. About time that we got in there with Marty Leeds, the digi mystical master of numerical biscuits and gravy, something like that. The dude has got the goods and I love the Spiritual component to the work that he does. So we got him and Jamatronator coming on the show. Those are probably two of the best in the game. Derek Jamatronator does a great job breaking down the current events and all the hoaxes using a variety of ciphers and pattern recognition <laughs> like no other. And uh Marty just brings the heat, the biblical, spiritual, Christos, Tao, the way, the life, all that stuff. Very cool how he transcends the literal when he's teaching Christianity. It's a whole new ball game and makes me appreciate the word Gnostic in a way that the pop culture version of Gnosticism does not like, I do not enjoy that. But with Marty, I'll go with that. That's actual Gnosis. That's actual knowing thyself to recognize the pattern, the father patter, Always in the words. There's a lot of magic in the words. So check out martylees 33com Recommend that. Absolutely recommend that. And if you're checking this out after just the first hour and you didn't hear the second hour, you can support what I'm doing. $5 a month on Patreon and $10 a month on Rockfin. But Rockfin gives you all the other creators on Rockfin. So it's a pretty great deal. Either of those ways, set up the reciprocity stream between me and you, and that will be worth it, I think. (laughs) Super worth it. You know, Marty's stuff, you can hear what he talks about on his own videos. I'm sure there's no like exclusive nuggets in this second hour, but if you like me and you wanna just hear me talking to him, you wanna kick me the few bucks that helps me make this my full-time job. And thank you to everyone that's already doing it. Serious thank you. Or to people who tip on Rockfin, very, very kind. I love seeing those come in. It makes me happy that we've got this energetic channel connecting us. Not just me talking, but also <laughs> you sending money because <laughs> you know shit's expensive. Organic food. I like to eat that. Although I I do pretty well with the price. Yeah. So disclaimers aside, the plus extension is Lady Kitty. You know it will be with Marty Leeds. The dude has got nonstop, excellent gnosis. And we talked about the rapture or the revelation within asked him about UFOs and angelions, angelic aliens. Then we talked about the angels and gods represented as number, the Ennead. And then like, so why did we go from the Ennead nine to the septenary? And that went into launching a talk about the cipher that he uses in more detail, septenary cipher, Talked about the Holy Trinity as it expresses in different cultures around the world and poetic meter in the scripture. That's another form of number Uh, to ask them about music, right? How the music of the cosmos corresponds to the notes and the tones and the colors and all that good stuff. Also, maybe a good question for the beginning. (laughs) Why the name Lord Jesus Christ to represent this thing? like the Tao or life force energy or the eternal spirit of self-existing nature. Well, there's, I guess, some good reasons for that. Mathematically, the name has a lot of symbolic geometry to it. So that's cool. And he talks about this in his new book. That's going to be probably out any day from when this episode airs. So keep an eye on his YouTube channel, ring, ring the bell, make the bell, give you notifications Uh, on interverse Two. do it for both of us. But Definitely from Marty because his uh, his sermons are pretty fun, his live sermons. but right, uh, that question, Lord Jesus Christ, pretty interesting way to wrap up the chat. and he talks about that all the time in videos. so it's there's always more to say, I'm sure. Uh, I've been reading his books, well his first book, and I intend to continue reading actually, because he's a very great writer and he uses awesome diagrams and all kinds of beautiful faith affirming you know magic affirming <laughs> information i actually pulled a bit from the first book which is pi and the english alphabet volume 1 excellent book that for 5 dollars a month on his website you get digital copies of all those books and all his music and all the teaching he does it's just crazy it's a crazy deal crazy deal martyleads33.com actually yeah, I'm just reading his book and it kind of blows my mind that I'm only now starting to dive into his work. I've been aware of him for a long time. He's been getting around on all kinds of shows I like, but although I've always liked his vibe and enjoyed his presentations on different podcasts, I just wasn't ready, I guess. But now I am. After seeing him at Flatoberfest, dude crushed and was easily my favorite thing there. No offense to anyone else that was there. It was all good, but holy shit. Marty definitely closed it. He was the he was a strong closer and right. You can probably go find that on his YouTube. I'm sure he uploaded it so you can see what I'm talking about. And maybe it was just now that I was ready when the student is ready, the teacher appears. There was a lot of preliminary stuff to help me like, you know, be able to open my mind to even more wide flows, <laughs> like reassessing Christianity is super helpful. I mean, there's been many phases of my life where I was like, I'm done with that. There's nothing in there for me. It's all hexes, but it's not all hexes. (laughs) It's absolutely not all hexes. It's all in the, it's all in the anagogical interpretation. That is a word I learned from one of Marty's recent sermons. Anagogical is a text that is not literal so much as it's poetic, metaphorical, metaphysical, astrological. The whole nine, uh, anatomical, explaining everything about the the life fractal, you know, that's what makes it divinely inspired. So, anagogical literature like the Bible, it seems pretty wild to think that that could come from humans and they're, all the they're calculating that's required to get the numbers to come out like that. And so, that means even if it is written by humans in a flow state, but then the numbers just shake out in the mystical way that they do anyway. You got to wonder, like, well, who set that up? (laughs) Is that nature? Little fingerprint, wink and a nod from the cosmic giggle? I think so. So here's an example from Marty's book, the first book, Pi in the English Alphabet, where he says, "The the word river is made of five fives in the septenary cipher, equaling 25 or five squared. The number five, as we have explored it earlier, is the golden mean of phi the all-important balancing ratio present throughout the natural world. It seems the river of the mouth of the Lord allegorically not only gives us the infinite waters of reflection, the fluidity of all things within time, but also gives us the mathematical ratio to which we grow into. River summing to 25 correlates interestingly to two other words, both equaling 25, belief and faith. Apparently according to the math belief and faith are less concrete and much more fluid principles than we may have come to believe revive and river are both made up of continuous fives and this is no accident the ratio of phi is a constant in nature that brings us and brings us and all animate forms brings us and all animate forms to life in a cyclic fashion from birth to death and back to birth again Wow, <laughs> there's more. It's only half of the page, but isn't that just good stuff? You got to love it. I'm I'm so into it. uh pairs really nicely with Clint Richardson's interpretation of biblical things uh, that I finally found my copy of his book, Straw Man Story. So I'm getting back into that goodness. Anyway, probably been talking long enough. And so I should wrap up with reminding you that, yeah, plus is Available on Rockfin and Patreon, linked in the show notes. I also would really like to connect with everybody through sound healing sessions. If this is your first time hearing me, I also work with clients with tuning forks. And their solfeggio tune, the set I'm currently using. It works remotely because we're all connected by this river of the ether, of the logos that's within us. And that's what really does the healing. If you understand the concept of Lord Jesus Christ, the way Marty teaches it, the way that you, a Taoist would interpret the word Tao, and many other religious scriptures that are actually recognizing the life force energy itself, like going further back, Yahweh or Jehovah, represented a verb. It was an action. It was the eternal, self-existing life force energy and creative manifestation. From moment to moment through eternity with no beginning or end, nature itself. That's it. And that's actually what Marty is teaching Lord Jesus Christ means. So I love that. That is so much better than literal. And because this mystical wholeness that we're all within and is within us means that that life force energy is one, it's the part of nature that is one, then of course a remote sound healing session would work. Even if you couldn't hear what I was doing with the forks, if we made the agreement through this logos (laughs) that the healing would take place and that symbolically I could work on a holographic imagination of your body on the massage table rather than you physically being there, it works that way. That was a long explanation, but let me tell you, it actually works that way. If you've been wondering about like, how does this shit work remotely? That's how it works remotely. It's not me that heals you. It's not even you that heals you. It's the life force energy present within you. And the fact is, it's in everything at all times. So if we're talking to it, this is the language, the frequencies of the forks, our contract that we'll make, our our agreement that we're doing it, and the permission, that's part of making it work. All that is Logos stuff. So at the end of the day, it's all communication and the sound healing just helps your field and all the parts of yourself communicate with parts of itself that were blocked before. And then the healing happens through that life force energy flowing, that chi opening up again. And it's awesome. So if you want to do that, email me or use the contact form on my website. Hit me up on Telegram. Any of those things will work. My email address is chance at interverse podcast.com. You can also hit me up for divination sessions. I'll throw some cards carefully that will help you recognize the uniqueness and superpowers that you've got, or the dynamics at play that maybe, you know, deep within, but you could use the reflection about dynamics at play to help you unstick some aspect of your life or just get the general read and figure out some great tips about how your uniqueness works. It's a lot like the key of destiny that I've been doing for people as a spread is a lot like a horoscope, uh, It'll, it seems to turn out that way. If like they come in with no specific question, it's like, okay, here's your superpower. This is how you unlock it. This is the message from the mind, body, spirit. You know, it's pretty cool. So it's as unique as you, the divination sessions. If Even after all that explaining, the uh, sound healing is too woo for you. Maybe some tarot I Ching. I combo those two uh, a divination session like that. Wouldn't be, it's really fun. If nothing else, it's really fun. And people tell me they like it and haven't had like a dissatisfied, disgruntled client yet. So you'll probably like it too, if you're thinking about it. So hit me up. We can do these things. Also, of course, you can catch me on Weaving Spiders. Welcome on Saturday nights and Wednesday nights for the Flow State. Also, of course, we're doing Vibrant, my other show on the Interverse Rockfin and YouTube, Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Just did a really fun one with the artist Brandon Arnold and musician Lucid, Dean McDonald. Pretty, this is a shit show in a good way. Super funny episode and lots of cool art. So watch those videos if you want more of me and my weekly divination videos i put out. You've probably seen those on the RSS feed now. I've been uploading those too. So if that's too much clutter and you just wanted only interverse episodes on that RSS feed, I'm sorry. (laughs) I just want you to see all the stuff that's going on. I'm really excited about how busy I'm getting on this podcast journey, being a full-time podcaster now and not full-time doing other stuff. It's great. Thanks to your support and viewers like you, that makes it work. All right. So that's all the things I'm going to play this out with some music by Marty Leeds, dude is a musician. If you didn't know, I guess he went through a DJ phase and now he's kind of more of a rock and roll guy. But <laughs> all of his music's on his website, and I was checking out a lot of it, and I, I was drawn to one because it had my name on it. The song was called Last Chance, and it's from his DJ day, uh, DJ days. And this is a good one, so I hope you like it. If you're watching the video, you can check out the visualizer I made for it. I make art graphics, reach show. If you are an audio-only listener, I get you, but the videos are pretty cool. I do a lot to make them nicely packaged because the aesthetics are fun for me. All right. Well, you guys, really appreciate you. Would love to chat on the Telegram, Interverse podcast group chat. That'd be fun. Get in there. Show notes, you know, episode description links, or just go to my website. Links to everything. Oh, uh, okay. Last thing. <laughs> Shit. I already announced the music and I got to do another plug. Clive Carl. I got a link to his shop on my website or in the show notes of every episode where you can get the magnesium and the vitamin C and many other fulvic acid, many other really, really helpful supplements in the highest quality I've ever personally used. And I wouldn't kid around. Like it's really worth it. <laughs> Everybody needs the magnesium. Seriously, if you need more convincing, go listen to my episode with Clive, or just look up Clive doing other things. There's probably better episodes out there with him talking about his stuff. Honestly, right. So the Clive DeCarl Carl shop link, check it out. Also, the Secret Energy shop is great for some detox kits and other metaphysical tools, headier stuff there. But the shit is great. It's lit on Secret Energy. Both of those links in my in my stuff that you can use as. You know, giving me the referral on it, and you pay nothing extra, but they kick me some for the ref- referral, if you will. Right? It's worth it. Yeah, help me, help you. It's been great. All the support lately this year has been nuts. I know we're not quite to the end of it, but I gotta gotta just say how grateful I am. I think the uh, audience for Interverse has at least tripled this year, if not more. So it's been a huge quickening. And I can't wait to see it go further. If you like what I do and you want to share it to other people that like, you know, heady conspirituality chats, <laughs> please do. Please do. If you've never shared it with anybody and you've been listening for multiple episodes, maybe this is the time just for me for Christmas. That's free. I appreciate you, though. Can't wait to see what's next. I already kind of know, but you'll see. Good stuff. Very good stuff. And uh, yeah, love you all. Enjoy the Marty Leeds music. That's on his website too. Marty Leeds, 33, and I'm out of here. Bye bye.
2: I never said I was diamonds. I never said I was pearls. If you're looking for silver and gold, well, I'm the wrong man for your world, girl. I never lose my patience for your gracious touch. Well will I know you like it rough There's a place in your heart for me Well, go ahead and give it up Love I may not ever see millions Or bathe you in champagne But you know I won't wait sweet body and it gets me started baby and you're all it takes to do me in and it'll be the last chance i get to grab your hand and get on the dance floor and kiss your lips just for the bliss of your twisted tongue it'll be the last chance i get to